Imagine for a moment a thread that runs through the tapestry of human history, weaving together stories, cultures, and hearts. This thread is magic, an ancient and enduring part of our collective consciousness. It's not just about spells and enchantments. It's about our deep-seated need to connect with something larger than ourselves, to make sense of the mysterious and miraculous. Throughout history, magic has been a mirror, reflecting our deepest fears, our highest hopes, and our unspoken dreams. It's been a way to explain the inexplicable, to bring order to chaos, to find light in the darkest of times. From the backwoods rituals of our ancestors to the modern day fascination with the metaphysical, magic has always been with us, a testament to the resilience and imagination of the human spirit. I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. In today's episode, I am blessed to have a conversation with visionary artist and infamous witch, Brie Luna, founder and creative director of The Hood Witch and author of the new book, Blood Sex Magic. Everyday Magic for the Modern Mystic. Take a listen as we talk about how life connects us to ourself and to our spirit and the seen and unseen realms and how magical traditions help us with our past and our future. Let's start from the magic journey because the magic journey, I feel is a personal journey for all of us, depending on where we are at in our life and then lead into the book journey of that. Cause there's so many layers that will unfold or for people and have unfolded for yourself. So I would even say that my, my spiritual journey really did begin when I was, I mean, we can start with being a child, something as silly as casting spells on boys at my school, (laughs) asking to cut pieces (laughs) of their hair. I've always been very uh, psychically in tune, if that's what we want to call it, just having gifts of psychic abilities, seeing, I always called it death energy, so like dead people, spirits, feeling presence, energy, things like that. So that was, you know, when I was a kid, so I didn't really think too much into it. Um, I've always had an inclination to uh, the occult or esoteric teachings, astrology, tarot, witchcraft. I thought it was very interesting and cool. I would spend countless hours as a child in the library and in bookstores by myself, uh, reading just books about magic throughout the world. And I really related to that and I enjoyed it, but I never really saw any like representation like, me. um, mm-hmm. there was nothing that really spoke to me and my cultural identity of like being black and Mexican. Uh, so when I was a kid growing up, I just thought magic was like Celtic, you know, Wiccan, that was, that was the, that was the trend that was, you know, that was what was being presented in the mainstream. So when we talk about spirituality and spiritual practice, I didn't see my grandmothers who were very spiritual, healing, intuitive, psychic, magical 
forces in my life, I didn't see them as being witches or, you know, something scary because we saw that in TV. I thought it was like Harry Potter or, you know what I mean? You just, you see it in movies where I'm like, oh, these are like the hags, but my grandmothers, they didn't, they weren't, they didn't look like that. So I didn't see them as being right like witches i just saw them as being spiritual and so my journey really um to self-discovery to kind of go back to that is like i guess when i got pregnant with my son i started having like really intense dreams and visions i would say like like my senses really heightened and that is something that happens Mm. um, a lot to people when you're pregnant your senses become very heightened And that really opened me up into a world where I was, you know, interested in getting more back into my ancestral practices and things that were, you know, that I once thought were superstitious as a kid growing up were more so like, wow, okay, I guess this is real, you know, like these uh, like protection or cleansing rituals, just certain things like that. I found myself really connecting to as a mother and it's still something I teach with my son. So I I feel like there's just so many roads that have happened along my way from childhood to adolescence to my early teens and twenties. Um, I would say like relationships and I really got into the tarot when I was in high school, you know, so there's just so many facets, right? right? There's just so many pieces, um, of how I got here, but I do think that yes, having my son connected me back to my, I guess like my ancestral magic and something that already was living inside of me uh things that are not learned in books so you know not learned in books or the internet so uh yeah I don't know I guess like for me though it's just like this path is really never-ending and I'm always learning superstitious is a word that people rarely use to describe themselves and for good reason Merriam-Webster defines superstition as a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance, or a false conception of causation. The idea of superstition, in some ways, has been used to oppress everyone but those who believe in Jesus and who are religious. Growing up, Bree had a lot of resilience to this messaging, and so did I. I was taught that the only difference between myself and the prophet in the church was one of us knew the Bible more than the other. What made you claim which, especially not seeing anyone that looked like you being a witch and also the negative connotations with witch and growing up in a black and brown household and religion and all of those things, witch, psychic, all of these like bad things. What made you say, no, I am a witch? Because I was always being told that I was bad. You know, like it was Mm. like I was, I identified with the villains. And I kind of talk about that in my, Oh, I do talk about it. I touch on that in my book where I'm like, I talk, it's called black magic woman. And I really embraced that as a child where my earliest memory, I was probably like five years old. And I remember I was saying, I, I was dancing to Madonna. I remember the video. It was like a prayer. Remember it was like so yes, controversial. That was so controversial. She had oh. a black Jesus and, um, like all of this, like, you know, uh, Catholic imagery and the burning of crosses. And so I was just dancing. I loved it. I loved her. And my grandmother was just like, like she's a cochina, like, which is like, Oh, she's nasty. Like, don't, you know, don't be like her. She's disgusting. And I was like, well, why, you know, I was like, okay, well, why is she bad? But you see what I'm saying? So it's like, tapping in like knowing that you have abilities and knowing that you have this inclination to Mm -hmm. like 
things that were outside of religion. So like I would have to go to church with one of our neighbor's daughters and it was like a black Baptist church. And here I am coming in with my like Marilyn Manson t-shirt and I, and they were like, they hated, they hated my guts. They hated me. I was always like just asking questions that like they hated. And I was like, well, if Adam and Eve, like, you know, if, if Eve convinced him to like eat the apple, like, well, why didn't they both get punished because he was dumb enough to eat it? Like, why didn't he like listen to God? You know? So like, I would just say things like that. And they were just like, Oh, get out of here. You bat little girl, like you little mm. devil. So they like, I, I feel like the churchy people really shamed me. They, I had such a curiosity for wisdom and for knowledge and for understanding. And I was a kid and, and I think that they really uh, shamed me because I liked different kinds of music. I loved like, rock music. I liked hip hop too. You know what I mean? I, of course I liked hip hop and R and B, but I also loved like rock music and I loved alternative music and I loved expressing myself with art and coloring my hair and, you know, getting piercings and just all kinds of stuff that wasn't cool now, mm. especially not to be black or Mexican. Right. No, it was not cool. Like it was not, this is, you know, no, they didn't, they didn't have that. It didn't happen. So I feel like nowadays, like kids, um, you know, it's like the internet and like Instagram, everyone's like more free and like open and you can sort of do whatever you want. But it was like really hard for us, like millennial, like I, I was know, sneaking earlier. in the hot topic and like right? going in it's there like, and like, oh, millennial <laughs> teens. It was like, no, we didn't have that. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stigma, stigmatization and. I think that I really embraced it as a teenager. If if someone told me it was demonic, oh, all the black kids in my school too, and like Mexican kids, they're like, shit, that's the devil girl. That's the she's the like, she's the devil worshiper. They're like, oh, that's like the rocker. Like she's the she's the devil girl. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, if they already think that, then I'll find my right. Let me go ahead and just lean into it. But I did, and I loved it. I, I like I loved it so much, and I like met so many wonderful people and you know it just opened up a new world for me especially when I like was in my 20s I ended up finding one of my friends who created Afropunk his name is James Schooner and he filmed Afropunk and when I found that documentary I was like wow there's people like they're like me and like this is so much fun this is great like so, it, and, and then like Afropunk, you know, now is huge. It's right. a huge festival where everybody goes and, you know, you dress up. And so, yeah, I, I just, I feel like um, I am, especially like in my magical journey, that was a huge part of that. And then also Rachel True. Who oh, I love Rachel craft. True. Oh. I adore her. I cannot imagine like little Brie is so happy right now because I connected with her and I told her, I was like, you know, you are the first black witch that I saw on TV. That's that's true. Yes. What other black witches have we seen? There was none. None. No. A teenage witch too at that. Yeah. None. So for me to claim, like, say, to openly say which, it is a, like, even the archetype of which I love because it's about having autonomy. It's about having, um, you know, having the power of yourself because unlike the queen or, like, princess or, you know, any of these things, it's like the witch is that fierce, fearless um, just very evocative and just very provocative, you know, figure that can be sexy and gorgeous and seducing and, you know, tempting or can be haggard and ugly and, you know, evil, you know? So it's just, I love the many facets. There's no umbrella for the witch. There's no one size fits all. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I get that. it's, It's just one of the most ancient, um, archetypes that we have. Like, so I, yeah, I, I found it to be very empowering. You know how like some people are like, I'm reclaiming the word slut. It's like, well, reclaiming the word witch 
has been so deeply stigmatized that mm. now, you know I, I i own it i embrace it i love the witch and when you think about your journey and the people that you've worked with along the years and your clients because you talk about this in the book when we talk about remembering who we are that we're powerful that we are just amazing what do you find is the most challenging part for people to tap back into that oh my god i will say religious indoctrination oh gosh we could do a whole podcast on that. right there are so many stigmatizing and negative ideas and images suggesting and stating outright that the ancient spiritual and cultural practices of indigenous peoples across the planet are backward, evil, and unnatural. As a young child, I never heard the word psychic. I only overheard elders referring to myself and others as having the gift, something that was highly regarded in the black and brown community. As you listen to Bree talk about her personal experiences being on the receiving end of harmful religious dogma, keep in mind that practices of hoodoo and voodoo were done in secret amongst black and brown communities. Being outwardly magic, psychic, a medium, or someone who had a relationship with spirits was shunned. deeply rooted hatred, guilt, shame, embarrassment. Um, I can go on. Abuse. Just, it is so heartbreaking to see how many people, especially women, are shamed for their psychic gifts, for their sexuality, for their just creativity, their freedom of expression, are there's just stifled and suppressed and silenced. You're told that you're crazy because you're intuitive or you have dreams or you have visions or feelings. Um, yeah, there is a lot, you know, there's a lot to unpack, uh, especially with like patriarchy, all of those things. So I do think that for me, it was so important to honor that rebellious woman, <laughs> the rebellious witch energy and bring her forward to life and especially to show other women and like women identifying people, especially like black women, brown women, because we all have, we know we have magic inside of us. We know that we come from a very strong legacy and a long line of powerful healing women. That's how we're here today. Yeah. That's how we got here. And speaking of the ancestors, you have a big polarity having a Mexican grandmother and having a black grandmother and in the spiritual space you know me having a a spiritual grandmother who made things who went over my dreams with me as a child all those things that's how I developed my psychic gifting through her what was that like having that that these two sides I love it yeah. I loved it. It was just like such a beautiful, colorful, magical upbringing because well, one, it was like we had really good food. <laughs> I had like really bomb food growing up. I learned how to cook. I learned so many cool traditions uh, from my dad's mother, who most of my dad's family is from Louisiana and Texas. Um, so I just love, 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 um, New Year's Eve making greens and cornbread and black eyed peas. Black eyed peas. Grandmother. Black eyed peas. 
And I still eat it to this day. I've never missed a year from my prosperity, my abundance, my money. Um, so, I mean, I, there's so much I even want to, oh my God, where do you even start? Like my, my mom's mother, uh, she's Mexican and she also, there are just so many similarities too. I feel like that, that, that cross culture where it's like, she had a lot of funny grandma-isms where <laughs> she was just a very strong personality. So I think the first thing I should even say too is that like I come from a family that is primarily of like a matriarchy, a very strong women. Okay, so we they don't care about men. Like, no, they're the shot callers, like they're the they're the ones who are running things. So I had two very strong uh, forces, like women forces. But yeah, like my mom's mother, there's so much to say about her. Like she was just, I told, she was four foot 11. She was like such a powerhouse. And so for my grandmother, like just learning spiritually through her, she was all about like protecting. I mean, what we would say now, like protecting your energy, um, giving offerings to our ancestors, um, she was very much, it's, it was sad for my grandmother because when she grew up, she is an indigenous, like Mexican woman. And I think that during that time, it was really hard because there were a lot of like white people who are also like very racist towards her. So she grew up with a lot of like racism and, you know, it's just, it's on like both sides of my family. It just, it's such a powerful, uh, lineage you know what i'm saying like i just i feel so connected to both sides it's like a blessing Mm -hmm. it's just a huge blessing to have two people support you on in the spiritual realm and i don't sometimes understand how people disconnect themselves spiritually and focus strictly on the material world yeah. And how they function. <laughs> I mean, even with like the church, like part of the reason growing up too, where I didn't see my grandmama like as being, oh, I would never say, oh, you're a witch. I see her as like a healer. I see her right. as a uh, healer, you know, a medicine you, woman. Yeah, oh. when you think about like conjure and hoodoo, like those are traditions that have been with my grandmother for years forever it's passed down and so things that and she made sure that she that she showed us you know these traditions so that's why for me i'm like for hoodoo and uh practicing hoodoo i don't you i nothing is learned from me in a book this is all my grandmother told me how to dress a candle like like, you know dressing my candles is like cleansing my house and that's why i put one of my favorite uh, recipes and something I learned was making my own brick dust, um, making floor washes, mopping, just you see it. It's not something that you can just, I mean, yeah, you can nowadays like Google it, but it's like I saw it. I saw the practice and yeah. the, the reason behind why is being done because I always talk about how these spiritual practices hoodoo and all of these things especially for me we did a lot of the things out of survival so you know if my grandmother needed to bring money in the house we had certain things that we were doing Uh on if a cousin was getting ready to you know, go to jail. There were things that we were doing. Oh yeah. No, there's things that are being done. And I think that even like, I was laughing about this because I I feel like certain people will get it when they read it. And then some people maybe not, but I was like, my stepdad uh, would just be like, don't let people play in your head. Like don't let them play in your hair. And I still take that to heart where I'm like, if I get my hair, like when I clean out my brushes and clean my hair, I'm like, "Ah, I don't throw it in the trash. I'm not throwing in the trash because my grandmother would be like if you throw your hair away and the bird a bird gets it and puts it in the next yo go crazy yes exactly 
was first taught hoodoo by my grandmother when I didn't even know it was called hoodoo. I was taught to go out back and get certain plants, dirt, and other things from her garden, and even going to neighbors' homes and picking up things that she had requested. She was doing work all the time. And this was not a good or bad thing. It was just a way of life. As I grew older and I started seeing books written by people who didn't look like me, talking about the practices that my grandmother did so frequently, I was confused. How could something so sacred and so pure that helped black and brown people save their homes, gain extra money, relieve sicknesses, be monetized by people who didn't look like us? Disclaimer, during this part of the interview, Brie has some technical difficulties which change the sound of her audio. Hoodoo is, it's so interesting because everyone has their own recipes, their own things on how they do stuff. And when I see people who don't necessarily look like me doing hoodoo practices there's some stuff that I've taught people how to do who don't look like me but it's very I don't want to say watered down but it's yeah. a little bit you know on the surface of the, yeah I'm not giving all the, all the juice no, yeah, you know, I can't. You know, it's like you can have a little bit you know i can tell you right i'll tell you this. how to dress a candle i'll tell you some yeah. herbs to add to it but we don't i'm not gonna tell you every extra little piece of it right exactly exactly and so when we're thinking about ancestors and connecting because of course religion says you shouldn't be talking to your ancestors like well who am I supposed to talk to because my grandmother is guiding me talking <laughs> to Jesus <laughs> I you mean God's there to too but... <laughs> you need to call Jesus no I'm kidding um yeah I mean I think that that's where there is such a disassociation um especially within obviously like the black community or like we've been torn so I mean, this is even just from a historical standpoint, it's like being literally snatched and torn away from our true religion, from our, you know, practices and traditions and how they lived and carried on um, through the transatlantic slave trade. Um, and just, you know, throughout the diaspora, it's like having uh, having our ancestors still holding on to these traditions and passed down and a lot of them you know when we go into like south america central america it's like santeria like having a you know voodoo and having a candomblé like all of these traditions going down we went everywhere you know we were we went everywhere so having our uh, ancestors holding on to that last part of themselves spiritually um and i think they were just so genius you know with hiding it like with the mm. saints and hiding it through religion and that's kind of like even with hoodoo it's like my yeah. grandmother my grandmother went to church she dressed up every yeah. sunday she you know she knew all of she she was There's very by, listen this book of psalms are book of psalms. <laughs> the book of psalms the book of psalms is one of my favorite spell books um and it really does connect me to my grandmother, connects mm-hmm. me to, it, it really soothes me and it makes me feel, um, it makes me feel deeply connected to my grandmother and uh, just prayer in general. I think that that's where that disconnection is, where there's people in the church who are like, you guys are worshiping ancestors. And I'm like, well, you're worshiping the idea of a dead white man or who you know of a zombie white man you guys are eating his flesh and 
drinking his blood and all this. Like that sounds like witchcraft to me. It's, it's witchcraft. And my grandmother yeah. was Catholic. So I know about all the rituals. Yeah. We had Catholicism. That's what I'm saying. See, there's yeah. a, the, the black Mexican mix. We had all of it. But it's, it's funny because all the Catholics do so-called Catholics will be like, oh, uh, what kind of candles do I need for, you know, that's, that's like, okay, like we see, like they, come on. I feel like that's, let's just cut the crap. Like I feel, you know, where we're at right now, it's like enough with this. I know enough with the, div- enough with the division because I, I feel like we're all just seeking to get to know ourselves more and to create our own destinies and our own paths and turning yourself into your own magic, as you say in the book. And when we disconnect or try and separate all of these things, but you know, we're one, we're the same. It's all of, you know, as far as the soul is concerned, right. On certain levels, right. Um, The experiences are very, very different humanly. Absolutely. I mean, we're all incarnated and have very different uh, human experiences, but we are still a expression of the divine. And so I really firmly believe that. And yeah. Yeah. No, I, when you talk about in the book, um, protecting yourself along or how I interpret it, protecting yourself in multitude of ways, but as you're on your spiritual journey and protecting yourself along the path, that gets difficult. When we open ourselves up to spiritual growth, we also open ourselves to new levels of sensitivity. This heightened awareness can make us feel more vulnerable to the energies and emotions around us. It's like walking through a forest aware of every rustle in the leaves. Beautiful, but at times overwhelming. Another challenge is the balance between our spiritual beliefs and the demands of our daily lives. It's not always easy to maintain your spiritual practices in a world that often values material success over inner peace. This dissonance can lead to inner conflicts, making it hard to stay true to our spiritual commitments. Whenever you put yourself in the public eye, specifically and i'm speaking specifically for myself um from my you know obviously from my experience uh yeah when you're in the public eye you have a lot of eyes on you and those eyes are not necessarily going to want to support you or see you doing good or doing better than them or you know having a perception perceived that you are doing better than them and i think that envy and jealousy and they're all in the same vein of like hatred and destruction and hexes. And that's where we get into like the evil eye and uh, people having not great intentions for you. So yes, protecting yourself, but that could even be, even if you're not in the public eye, it's like if you work, if you work, it could be with your family and it could be with a lover. It could be with, um, you know, anybody that you interact with on a daily basis or a regular basis. So I think that getting into a habit of protection and cleansing and being very cognizant of the energy that is not yours, like knowing what belongs to you and what doesn't is important. And what do you think people, how do you think people can do that on a daily basis? Because we take in so much energy from just going to get coffee, from walking down the street, from interacting with people. So the first thing, you know, that you don't necessarily need anything outside of yourself to be psychically strong and protected. I think the first line of defense, one is, are you sleeping well? Are you taking Mm -hmm. care of your health? How is your physical vitality? So it's like, before we get into like the magical and the spiritual, 
Let's think about practical, mundane things. Are you eating well? Are you sleeping? Are you exercising? Are you moving your body? Those are things that are going to spiritually enhance your aura, your auric field, your protection, your first line of defense, okay? Um, and when you have those things checked off, focusing on meditation, are you feeling grounded? Are you you know, all over the place? Are you feeling dysregulated? How is your nervous system? So it's like all of those things checking in that affects your spiritual, you know, your energy out in the world and how it's easier to attack somebody. Let's say, um, if you're an alcoholic or you're drunk, are you on drugs? Not to stigmatize people who are struggling with, you know, addiction, but you do become susceptible to, uh, I would say lower vibrational mm. entities, attachments. Uh, and I mean that, and, and this is not something I, I really don't want to stigmatize, but I'm just saying like, when you're not of sound mind, when you're, you know, not in your right space of thinking, because when you think about even alcohol too, it's like, right. There's, they're called spirits for a reason reason and yeah. your body you know you open yourself up to becoming a vessel a vehicle mm. for any type of entity to jump in for a joyride okay oh. so this is why we have people when they're drunk they're like oh i don't remember oh my god i was acting right. so out of character i don't remember any of those things happening I thought, oh i feel so bad because you know you allow yourself to get possessed with lower vibration you know type of entities and i mean this shit is real like it's not a, it's not a joke so i think that cleansing yourself regular cleansing even just physical hygiene cleanse yourself i tell my friends i'm like i know when people have depression or like suffer with mental illnesses like i've had anxiety i've been you know had depression where there's days where you're like i just i don't want to get out of bed i don't want to do my makeup. I don't want to change my clothes, but it's like, get your ass out the bed. I will call my friends and be like, get up, take a bath. I need you to take a shower just to cleanse yourself. And you feel, you know, instantly just, you feel better. Feel better. You know, yeah. Just a little bit. So it's like your mind and your home are also very connected. And this is something that my mom and my grandmothers both always instilled in me. Your home is a physical embodiment representation of your mind and mm -hmm. if you have clutter and junk and trash and i mean people are not always want to do the laundry every day like i mean right that's, right right that's fine but it's like just don't let it get to the point where you're feeling uh you know you're feeling overwhelmed and feeling sick like just try to get up and organize and clean up a bit but what you'll notice that like you'll sleep better even I've noticed too, like just when you make up your bed, when you leave for I the make day, up my bed every morning, I yes. cannot leave my house without my when bed come, made up. Right. So when you come home and you're like, oh, wow, it just, it feels different. Yeah. It feels I, better. I, I just, I've never understood that. And that's something with my grandmother. Like, I don't know what it's like to, especially if I have to make up my bed. Like if I'm at a hotel, of course I leave it, but yeah. I that's the first thing I do in the morning is See, make that's, my bed. The, that's the beauty too of having like coming from a Mexican and black household. It's like Saturday and Sunday, we are cleaning. We right. don't have like, a choice. The music is cranked up loud. <laughs> the music is cranked up. We're the cleansing. Music, yes. The house is getting cleaned. Every bit of laundry, the windows, the baseboards, the vacuum, everything is getting scrubbed meticulously from top to bottom. You do not have a choice. Yeah. And so instilling that in myself, I'm like, oh, Sundays are like, I love making a ritual now where I'm like, Sundays are my clean days. I go buy flowers. I refresh my altar, my ancestral altar. I put new flowers. I make dinner. Like those are times where I like to make bigger dinners, um, we do the laundry, like, you know, so it's just, it feels right. it's setting you up. It's setting you up for the rest of the week. You're right. setting yourself up for success. So setting yourself up for success, that's a great segue. In your experience, because <laughs> we could probably do another podcast on this. What are your thoughts about the current state of the manifestation community, especially when it comes to creating your reality? 
Oh, this is such a slippery slope because on one hand, you know, we have these very, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be real. Just be very white privileged people telling you that, you know, you can just manifest your reality. And I'm like, how the fuck is someone going to feel like they can change or alter their reality when systemically like they have these things that are that they're born into like i don't know you have generational wealth that you were born into you right. have a trust fund or you know you have like these advantages where you can travel to tulum for like a month-long retreat workshop you know to like get in touch with yourself and then most people are struggling day to day to make ends meet to feed their children to go to school to work multiple jobs to pay rent to eat so it's like it's it gets tricky and i call it spiritual bypassing where it's like don't ignore reality don't ignore the very real human struggles that people are having Mm -hmm. because you you know have the time to sit and make a wish and you know do elaborate rituals right (laughs) you can sit and make a wish on a star but it's like uh, people have to work and people have to take care of their children and I, I don't like um so here's the thing too so with that being said I don't believe in uh poverty mindset because I do truly believe that you get what you put your energy into right Mm -hmm. so if i sit on my ass all day and i'm just like well i'm never gonna be anything i don't care i'm just not gonna do anything it's like i don't know i i I find like there's just such a the real enemy and i really hate this because it's like we go into like manifestation and you can create your own dreams and reality it's like yes on one hand absolutely you can there's certain things that you can control but then there's other things that you really can't control words like if you don't have the tools or you don't have access to the information then how do you get yourself out of a cycle that you were born into mm-hmm. um you know and it just keeps repeating so it gets really tricky to tell people that their circumstances are their fault when in reality it's like capitalism and uh, white supremacy and all kinds of shit, you know, that have yeah. like put people into uh, such dire states. And then you're told to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and manifest right. a better life. <laughs> right. So like, it's like, go ahead and manifest. And then you have to add on trauma and all of these things that you have to like unpack to. Yeah. We have like, I'm like think it's like for even for me it's like an amu it's like we have such like trauma already within like our bloodline like within mm-hmm. our DNA of like just living in America and you know you'll have people who are like oh well that was so long ago and I'm like yeah not really right it wasn't that long ago it wasn't that, that long ago <laughs> it wasn't like, that long still... ago and then on top of it here I am. My soul was like, oh, by the way, you're going to be a psychic too and a spiritual guide and teacher. Have yeah. fun on top of that. Let's throw Have that fun. in there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that anyone, and, and this is something I argue with like my dad about sometimes where he's like, don't, you know, he's like, you, you're crying over like money and blah, blah, blah. Because my dad is a very firm believer of like, you can create your own reality. You can create your life that you want and you can you know all of that he is he is a triple leo oh wow he is very <laughs> oh wow confident you can't tell him shit you know what I mean? like nobody's telling that man anything so i think he's just a natural hustler you know he, he, yeah. I mean, my dad really is a natural hustler like he is truly someone who is and he's so smart he's an aerospace engineer he is fucking brilliant. Like this man is so brilliant. And he came, he grew up in South Central. Mm. Like my dad went to Crenshaw High School. So it was like he 
There was no limitation. Right. He, he, he created, he did create his own reality. And he really did because it's like there were so many people where it's like he didn't come from money. He didn't come from any of those things. And so I think for him, it's sad because I know creatively and artistically, like my dad wanted to be more so an artist, but he was always told like, no, you have to do things that are going to make you money. Are gonna, right. you, know what I mean? like, you need to focus on your family making money. But my dad is a very creative, uh, artistic person, but he never got to have an outlet for that. Yeah. That makes so sense. That's really, it's, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, to go back, he is very like spiritual. He's all about, you know, like I said, the manifestation stuff. And he and his wife are like really into, yeah, you can, the Eckhart Tolle. Oh. I like, watch it on Oprah. Like, so I was like, oh my God, please just stop. Like enough with this shit, like the secret and all of those things. But I think that, you know, if we take it to its most, break it down to the most fundamental part of those ideologies of like manifesting your reality. I mean, it just, it, it's kind of like two plus two equals four. It's like, yes, I know that if I work and if I set my goals and my attention onto this specific focus, if it's right. aligned for me, then it's gonna, you know, we're gonna get a we're gonna we're gonna, have we're gonna do the things, right? Yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna do the, the things. We're gonna do the thing, right? So I don't know. I guess like I really am a believer because I created my own reality. I guess you could say, but that came from a lot of hard work. It yeah. wasn't just me sitting around paying five thousand dollars to listen to somebody and a captain tell me to you know <laughs> to do. It's like, no, I fucking worked my ass off. I cried. I've had so many meltdowns. I've gone through so much. And it's like, that's what it took to, you know, get right me to here. birth the hood witch. Exactly. Trigger warning. In this part of the interview, we talk about body autonomy as it pertains to abortion. If you or anyone you know, has been affected by any type of loss. I encourage you to seek community because you not only need it, but you deserve it. I stand in solidarity and love to anyone who has ever or will in the future need and or want an abortion. Another thing that I really loved in the book was you're talking about loss and many people don't know this, but I was pregnant once in my life. Um, and I had a miscarriage I'm and sorry. that's okay. Um, I, I don't talk about it a lot. Um, I always say God knew what he was doing. Cause if I would have had to have a baby with that man, <laughs> That yeah. would have been the worst um, 18 years of my life and beyond. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, I, whew, yeah, that, that chapter, that section was really painful, very, very, very hard to get through. And even so much, like, I think I still held back quite a bit because it was, probably the most traumatic experience in my life. Like I was pregnant in 2020 mm. and the person that I was with forced me essentially to have an abortion and I was distraught and suicidal. <sighs> It was heartbreaking because I really thought that this person genuinely cared about me. And he was just like, no, get rid of it. I don't, he was like, I don't want kids. And I was just like, huh. I thought he was joking. Mm. And he straight up told me in my face, he was just like, no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want it. And he was like, if you don't, if you go through with this, like I will sign over all of my rights to you and I want nothing to do with this. 
And I was just like distraught. I was just so, it sent me into a spiral into hell. It was like the darkest moments of my life, but I am so, 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 so grateful. Is that what you said? I was not stuck with him. So it's like, I have experienced loss with both miscarriage and abortion. And it was so important for me because I do have a son and I love him dearly, but like, uh, I felt it was important to put that in there because that grief and that despair and not knowing where to put it and self-harm and Mm. feeling so lonely and so isolated. And I was like, it is such a loneliness that people don't understand unless you've actually been in that situation. Yeah. I actually had my miscarriage the day I was going to get an abortion that morning. Yeah. And so by the time I got to the place, they were like, were you bleeding today? And I was just like, yeah. And she was like, you miscarried. And I was like, oh. Wow. I mean, it was just like timing. I mean, for myself, I remember running out of the doctor's office and I was just crying. I went and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't, was I this don't before the pandemic or during? This was slightly before so this was 2019 2019. okay okay so then then months later lockdown yeah dealing with yourself oh it was I I went into a I mean it was like a full-blown just descent into the underworld I was so self-destructive and chaotic and dysregulated and lost and just everything out the window right where it was like so here's the best part of the story was actually the worst you don't think it get worse than this right so he goes with me to have the abortion and we get there and i go through with it and when i'm coming out of the doctor's office and we're in the car we're just riding together i'm completely quiet silent just crying And we get to his apartment and I'm just like resting, you know, sleeping. And he was so nice. He was so nice to me for the first week. And I shit you not the next week I was still at his house while I'm like still bleeding. And he tells me, Hey, uh, my work's having a party, having a party. And, uh, I want you to get dressed and come with me. And I'm like, what? And so we, I was like, okay, like I get dressed and go to a stupid party. And we come home. This fucking asshole just looks at me and he's like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work anymore. And I was like, what? You're joking, right? Like, you're kidding? He's like, yeah, I just, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this, yeah, he's just, I don't think this is going to work anymore. And I just lost it. And yeah, I went down this like really dark path spiral for like four months straight. Mm. And pulling myself out of that, it was just like, what? I can't, you're not going to die over this fucking asshole so he gets to live he gets to live (laughs) yeah it's like he gets to live and like he gets to you know he gets to keep going and I'm just gonna be the one who's dead and like forgotten and nobody will you know and I've done so much work and I've touched so many other people and he gets to be the downfall of me my demise and I was like fuck no like no so yeah I literally ended up getting a tattoo on my face that says immortal Mm. because I was like, it was one of those full rebirth moments where it was like, die and come back. 
And now he is so disgusting. He looks <laughs> terrible. Like, he is like, I wrote I was, you know, I had to get the last laugh where I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm still alive and like, I'm still here. I'm still successful. I'm still going. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a deep healing, but I was like, you know, in writing that, I hope that other women know that they're not alone in their decisions. And if they're feeling lost or self-destructive or, you know, don't do it like it's temporary and those feelings you know you can work through them get the proper help that you need and guidance that you need be that in like therapy or I am so pro therapy and Mm -hmm. medication if you need it to regulate yourself um I am all I'm for all of the modality healing modalities you know what I mean so it's like if you you get into meditation if it's eastern medicine if it's western medicine if it's pharmaceutical you know like if you need help it's like then you need help to regulate yourself there is no shame in that and there should be no stigma around taking care of yourself and healing yourself yeah i love that what would you want your readers to if they had to take away one thing from blood sex magic what would that one thing be keep going keep learning stay curious and don't kill yourself over capitalism or shitty boyfriends or partners (laughs) um just if anybody takes anything away from this book truly i will be so happy um because it's more than what I imagined, even if it's one person that is touched by a story or a poem or relates to something in it, that will be meaningful enough for me. The witch, Barusha, healer, mother, sister, daughter, lover, artist, creative bitch, wild woman, visionary goddess, transcend of time and space, reclaiming power and ancestral bloodlines of magic from the heavens and the earth. I come from the dirt and blood, jewels and bones, moon and sun. I am my grandmother's secrets, hopes and dreams. I adorn myself in light and shadows. But do not mistake my flesh nor my worldly appearance for vanity, for everything I do is deliberate. I walk in gratitude for the ones who have come before me. My vessel is ancient. This skin remembers being birthed through the cosmos and rising out of the depths of the sea. Do not mistake her softness, vulnerability, sensitivity, compassion, love, resilience, or silence for weakness. I am birthed of fire and lava of death and decay. A huntress, a warrior, not a warrior. I am my sister's keeper. Brie Luna. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brie Luna, the Hood Witch. You can find her across all platforms at The Hood Witch. And please pick up a copy of her new book, Blood, Sex, Magic. Everyday magic for the modern mystic. It is so amazing and beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Street. Make sure you have a good day filled with good vibes and great energy. And remember, don't let anybody fuck with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street? This podcast was edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.